let's pray. Let's prepare our hearts for the word of God. Father, we uh, we are so so happy, so rejoicing, being in your presence and also being with your people, building up one another and hearing your word. Now, Father, in your presence, we, we submit ourselves as we open our hearts, we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to to you, your authority, and the authority of your word. We ask you that you will pour out your spirit and touch every part of us, Lord. Our hearts, our minds, our emotion, be the truth of the word of God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, let's go to uh, Luke chapter 17. I'm going to make it very simple and hopefully very short. But uh, <laughs> let's just... Go to uh, Luke chapter 17. I am going to start from uh, verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out, in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. What Jesus was doing is he's doing what, what is written in the book of Leviticus, in uh, Le- Le- Leviticus 14. Is uh, someone had leprosy and then somehow they get healed, they need to show themselves to be assessed by, by the priest. So that's what Jesus was doing. So pretty much Jesus declared healing over them. So he said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And the writer said, he, he make a note, this guy was a Samaritan. So the rest of them obviously were Jews. But this guy, the only one who is a Samaritan. And then Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Interesting. Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I want to, uh, as I said, try to keep it simple. I just want to talk about this one issue of the truth of the Bible that is so powerful and yet often we don't understand the power of it is this truth called Thanksgiving. We actually celebrated Thanksgiving uh, last Friday night. It was great. But I, I want to touch on this uh, because uh, as we read in this thing, it, it's, it's an interesting picture because the... Uh, just for, for us to understand the, the, the context of the story, the Samaritans, the people from Samaria, the way they came about was after Israel went to exile, uh, the king of Assyria took some of the, 
some people from Babylon and put them in this place northern of Israel called Samaria. They weren't Israelites, so they were foreigners. And then few 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 years later, where at the restoration of of the temple when when um, of the the wall when Nehemiah restored the the, the the wall, some of the some of the Israelites they mixed marriage with the with the locals, which is against the law. So they got expelled from from Jerusalem, and they went to Samaria. And one of those guys were really. Uh, really ticked off about this thing and then he did everything he could to annoy the, the, the Jews and he built another temple beside Jerusalem in a temple in a place called Mount Gerizim so they had, up to the time of Jesus there are two, there are two spots, Jerusalem and Mount Gerizim in Samaria, that's why when you read the book of John in John chapter four, the conversation between Jesus and the woman of Samaria, you know how she said she asked Jesus because the issue was worship. She said, "Oh, our people believe that we need to worship God here in this mountain. Your people believe that we need to worship God in Jerusalem." That conversation is because of that. There are two sides of center of worship, and the Samaria, the Samaritans tried to compete with the Jews, and they were considered as the second-class citizen by the Jews, foreigners. They don't like each other. So, in at this time, one of those guys, this second citizen class, second-class citizen amongst his Jewish friends because when they when they're uh, when they have uh, leprosy whether you're Jews Gentiles whatever you're in the same place <laughs> you're unclean so they got healed for my reading this thing the sense that I feel here is like Jesus son of God have mercy on us and then 10 of them got healed now to the Jews it's like, oh, I got healed. I'm a Jew. It's like, you know, that's just the way, the way we do. Like, we got healed. But to the Samaritans, it was like, I don't deserve this. Why, why was I included as part of the nines? I'm not even a Jew. And he came to Jesus, fell at his feet, and thanked Jesus. It moved Jesus. And Jesus was astounded that the rest of the other guys, the nine Jews, didn't thank him. That's why he said, weren't they all nine or ten of you cleansed? How come, where are the other nine? Why is this foreigner the only one that come and thank me? This idea of thankfulness, we live in a society that I, I believe it's probably it's, it's, it's a crazy society where entitlement is everything. Well, it's 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 the mindset of the of a democratic system. People talk about their rights for whatever it is. My right to do this. My right to have education. My right to have all this kind. Everybody fights for their rights. And when you actually start to fight for your rights, there's no sense of privilege in that. Really. There's no sense of privilege. 
So when there is no sense of fullness, then there goes the thankfulness. Because you feel you are entitled. And when you feel entitled, you take your friends, your relationship, your wife, your children, your mom and dad, your pastors, your friends, you take everybody for granted. Because you're entitled. It's your right. And you forget what it means to be privileged. I, I listened on TV, this is like just yesterday. And this guy said, now, because in New Zealand, I'm just picking up from the conversation, people start to, either in New Zealand, but people start to organize, you know, because now the technology and everything, people can work from home and all those things. But apparently, I just overheard that this guy was saying, now they're going to pass a law where the employees, is within the employee's right to, to actually to negotiate whether he can work from home or from, from, from the office. And I said, you got to be kidding me. Really? Like, it will be their right. And the employer cannot, you know, will, cannot just say no, he has to negotiate. And the only way he can say no, if, if business-wise, it doesn't seem to work. But apart from that, he cannot say no. And I thought, I walked away from that. I said, God, what's wrong with the world? To the point that the pay way, the, the wage payer cannot tell the wage earner how to do his job because he's got a right. Like you gotta be kidding me! Is that what you and I Christians are supposed to be to be operating in? And I thought, Lord, where have you gone? Now, when I died and I got married. All right, I'm gonna tell you a story. When we got married, I came to Australia, got married to Diane. Coming from Indonesia, I couldn't get a job because I didn't have the right visa. I could only get the right visa if I married Diane. So the the dilemma was how could I marry Diane if there's no no if I don't have money? How can I have money if I don't have a job? How can I have a job if I don't have the right visa? But to get the right visa, I have to marry Diane. <laughs> It goes to show how amazing her family was. We got married, to cut the, uh, the long story short. We got married, and now I got a job. When we, when we moved into our apartment in Hawthorne, Yara 20, 22 Yara Street, 320 Yara Street, yeah. <laughs> Hawthorne, off Burbot Road. <laughs> and uh, we had a bedroom, one flat bedroom, Hawthorne. Do you know our furniture? You know what our furniture was? Cardboard boxes with tablecloth on top of it. We were so happy, weren't we? No, no, we were. It was the most romantic <laughs> night. <laughs> That's all we had. And I had to work in Somerton. You know Somerton, Craigieburn? Yeah. I had to drive my car. And I had a job. It was... The first, you know, the first time I had to go to, to, to work, it was night shift. 11 to 7 o'clock in the morning. You know, when I got the job, I was so thankful. Because I had a job. I didn't have a job. 
And then, we, you know, we got married, and then we, we have kids. And a few years later, we moved to Knoxfield. You know where Knox is? So from Knox, I had to travel all the way to Craigieburn. Took me an hour and a half at half past five in the morning. I arrived there at seven o'clock. And by the time I finished, because I worked 12 hours, I got home about eight o'clock at night. But we were happy. Why? Because to me, it's like I had a job. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. I cannot demand anything. To me, it's like, God, thank you for my job. I was so thankful. Really. I worked hard. Sometimes I worked 70 hours a week just to feed the family because I was a full-time mother. We had five kids. It's almost like every month we had a baby, you know. Like, <laughs> so, oh, and I said, <laughs> another one, another one. <laughs> so, <laughs> she was a full-time mother. Live on one wage, a factory worker. That was the making of me, though. Because throughout the whole time, I was just, both I and I, we thank God. Because it's a privilege. I want to say something, the truth about thanksgiving. Right. It is a high, one of the highest form of, of expression of faith. Let me say this. You know, Mark 11, chapter 24, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. I want to ask you this. Dan, if I, ask, if I said to you, I'm going to give you, give, give, I'm going to give you a, a car. Will you say to me, when I see the car, I'll thank you? That will be the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know, you know what I'm saying? You don't do that. The minute you hear the promise, you say, thank you. You don't wait till the car comes, because I promise you, I'm going to give you a car. So, oh, thank you. Pretty much, so how do you express your faith when you pray for something? Because you believe God's going to give it to you. Say, so guess what? Guess what you do? You thank God for what you ask for. That's what we do. It's the highest form of, of expression of, of faith. The next thing is, I can say a lot of things about Thanksgiving, but there's some, some things that I'm going to focus on. I'll try to keep it simple. It's a cure for anxiety. Philippians 4, verse 6, where Paul says here, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And listen to this in verse 7, he said, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say you will immediately get what you ask, but the peace of God will be there. Often we say, like, you know, we were looking for what we asked for. It's like, yeah, I'm going to have it. No, no, no. Actually, the guarantee is when you do that, the peace of God will come upon your heart. That's all we need. You can have the things you ask for, but never have the peace of God in it. 
I can have five million dollars but not live in peace. Come on, guys. I want to ask you this. If I ask God for five million dollars, do you think God can can give it to me? Of course. But I want to ask you this. Which one actually is the making of me? The million dollars or the time I spend in prayer? Just think about that. Whatever you ask God, that thing that you ask God for is not the thing that's going to change you. It's your praying, seeking God on your knees. That's what's going to change you. In thanksgiving. Okay, cure Frank for anxiety. And of course, it is, you know, in Psalms 100, it is the way to the presence of God. He said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. It's like when you come into, it's the picture of the temple of God. People walk into the temple of God. They come, walk through the gates. It says, you walk through, through it with thanksgiving. And once you get into the court of the temple, then you praise God. I think it's a good picture of how we, we come and we approach God. Because sometimes you come to church, you know, like some people come to church, they don't even know why they're there. You know, like, because stuff happens, they argue in the car, the kids screaming when you drive your car, and you just, by the time you, you just barely make it to the church, like, you know, and you don't feel like praising God or worshiping God in any way. But guess what? When you start to give thanks to God and start counting the blessing, faith starts to arise in your heart. And you start to think, God, you've done this, you've done this. Because thanksgiving is actually remembering what God has done for you. God, you've done this, you've done this. All of a sudden, faith happens in your heart. Then you said, I'm going to praise God. It's powerful. It is powerful. Everybody say it's powerful. When you're in a confusion, you don't know what the heck is going on, just start count your blessing and thank God. Wow, God, you know, I remember you did this to me. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your faithfulness. The next thing is the key to the, to the release of the power of God, the supernatural power of God. It's very simple. In Second Chronicles, when uh, you know the story of Jehoshaphat, how many have heard the story of Jehoshaphat? The odds were totally against him. The enemy was way too powerful for him. So he sent going to war the most, the most and sort of very uncommon way of 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 going into a going to, to, to the battle, he put the singers and the musicians at the front. And then the army goes behind. And then as they were going, now I want you to, li- to listen to this. As they were going, I believe in bonding and losing and in rebuking the devil. They weren't doing that. What they were, they were singing, you know what they were singing? Give thanks to the Lord for his mercy in Jews forever. It was the thanksgiving that actually set the victory for Jehoshaphat. Give thanks to the Lord. It wasn't like, you know, we bind this spirit, we bind that. No, no, no. Actually, it was a thanksgiving. 
Thank you, Jesus. You know, this, this thing of thanksgiving is so important to Paul that in every letter that he wrote, except for Galatians, that's another subject, in every letter he wrote, he said, I thank God every time I think of you guys. Man. Every, every letter, except for Galatians, I thank God every time I think of you guys. You know, I do that too. Not every day, but you know, sometimes I, 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 I would just drive a car and I, and I thought of, of memory life. Just the privilege of God, you entrust me to, you know, entrust these people under my care. I thank you, Lord. When I look at, just, just watching uh, Ange, where's Ange? <laughs> watching Ange, because she's been in our church for a long time, and I've watched the growth. And the stuff that came out of her mouth, I just sat there, I nearly cried. I said, Lord, wow. It makes your life so rich every time you, you just thank God for people. And I watched and I thought, Lord, thank you so much, Lord. It was, it really blessed me. Like, I thought, wow. That's what being a church is. We celebrate each other. Doesn't matter what. And watch each other's growth. It's a powerful thing. I thank God every day for my kids and for my wife. Every day. I don't know how many times every day, but every day. I'll be driving my car and say, Lord, thank you for dying. If you struggle in your relationship with your wife or your husbands, do that. You'd be, you'd be surprised how that would heal your marriage. Or if you struggle with your parents or your brothers or friends, Start thanking you, God, for, for the people around you. You'd be amazed how that relationship will be healed. I can say that because I know. Because I've done it. You know, last night I, I, uh, I watched the whole state election. And... Uh, the, the guy from uh, the, the lady from uh, from it's a channel seven she said this is certainly is a dance light <laughs> not landslide dance light the uh, the result the labor uh, winning and uh, my thing is like where do we, where do Christians stand you know with with all the political persuasion and whatever they stand because you realize God is God is neither liberals or labor or whatever God is God, right? So there are Christians who vote for labor and vote for, for, uh, for liberal. That's okay. But what do you do with the government as, as Christians? Let's read First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 here. I urge you then, first of all, this is... Paul discipling Timothy. I urge you then, first of all, that requests, 
prayers, intercessions, and listen to this, thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. Wow. I don't care whether you, whether you are a liberal or whatever, you know, it, it's fine, it's, it's your, your conviction, but you know what? You need to pray for a labor government because they're in government. Not just pray with thanksgiving. Wow. <laughs> That's new, isn't it? <laughs> you might say, yeah, but I'm a green. You know, like I'm following the greens and all that. But labor is in power. Well, pray for them. With thanksgiving. <laughs> it might change your heart towards those people. We, on the way, on the way, on the way to church, Dad just prayed for Dan Andrew. She even memorized the kids' names. Lord, I pray for Grace. I pray for Josh. Eh? You, Noah. Noah, Grace, and Joseph. Dan Andrews are uh, three kids. I was really impressed. I thought, wow. But that's how all, all of us should do. You know. I'm closing now. But, you know, when a preacher says I'm closing, what he's saying is I'm commencing to begin to start to close. <laughs> In First Peter, when he talks about God's people, he said, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, God's own possession. He was quoting Exodus chapter 19. When God called Israel, he called Israel to be a kingdom of priests. You know what priests do? Priests do actually what they do is they are actually to intercede between God and men. That's what that's their job. To actually come to God on behalf of men. In the Old Testament or in the in the Bible, there are two ministries. Prophets coming to men on behalf of God, but priests coming to God on behalf of mankind. And according to the New Testament and the Old Testament, you and I, we are actually that is we are the priestly tribe. So that's our job, to go between God and the rest, the rest of the humanity. It means we pray for them with thanksgiving. Let's all stand up. Can I have Dave, uh, Dave just play keyboard? I just, just want to keep it simple. Matter of fact, let's pray for, for our government. Father, we thank you, Lord. Our nation, our state, where we're at, your word says that no, no, no government will take place unless it is with your permission, Lord. And you've assigned Dan Andrew to, to be to be a uh, in charge in this day, we pray for him. Just like Diane prayed this morning for his son Noah, Grace, and Joseph. Lord, we pray that you will give him the wisdom. Lord, also we pray that the fear of God will be upon him, Lord. We know that the Holy Spirit can speak. 
just like you could speak to Pharaoh, you could speak to uh, Nebuchadnezzar, you can speak to all these mighty, mighty emperors in the Old Testament, Lord. You can speak to our government, Lord. Father, that, that will lead this nation with, with a heart of compassion. Lord, they, they will lead this nation with, with, a, with a, just the largeness of heart for people, Lord Jesus. People that you die for. Yes, Lord, we pray for protection over his children. The pressure of being, being in government. The pressure of, yeah, the political pressure and every other pressure, Lord. We pray for, for the family to be whole, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And now we pray for, for each other, Lord. Father, if there are situations where relationships or with friendship, with in the family, with, with husbands and wives, Lord, that need to be fixed. We're going to fix it, Lord, but beginning with Thanksgiving, Lord. I thank you for my wife, Lord. I thank you that she's the woman that she is, Lord. Yes, Lord. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in her. I thank you that she is so vivacious and and always asks the question, why not? And I thank you that she always challenges me and stretches me. And I thank you for all our leaders here. Thank you for Carvin, Lord. Thank you for the growth that's taking place, the, just the, the wisdom that, 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 that he has. I thank you for Nicoletta, Lord, for the tenacity that, that she has, Lord. The, Lord, for, for the, the passion for the truth, Lord, for the spirit of truth that she operates in. I thank you for Bernadette and Tony, Lord. I thank you for just the humility and the, just the, the, the passion for you, Lord Jesus. And all the cell leaders here, the worship leaders, Lord, the growth that we see in this church, Lord, I thank you, Lord. And I thank you for the new people here, Lord. I pray that somehow, Lord, throughout this service, that something about your truth that will touch them and transform them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.